What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Colt Henry. Yes, we're not trying to make more and more professors. We're trying to make more and more industrious people. And, and sometimes I feel like the weight and emphasis uh, in some universities may be too heavy the other way. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, we want to invite you to get involved in the charity our founders helped start called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the U.S. and globally. The top project you could help with now is in Cusco, Peru. There are 20 girls that the local government rescued but didn't have anywhere to keep them safe, so they put them in jail. The government has said that they're willing to give custody of these kids to the aftercare facility we're helping to expand now once we raise enough money and build an extra building there. To learn more, please click on the Child Rescue tab on our website, which is iCollective.co. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Well, thanks for making time. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. So uh, you're one of the co-founders of Dev Mountain, which, you know, uh, lucky for you guys, recently uh, announced $20 million uh, as an acquisition price. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, why, don't we, why don't we jump right into it? Why don't you tell people uh, what Dev Mountain is? Yeah, uh, Dev Mountain is a code school. It's one of the immersive boot camps. Uh, you come in for 13 weeks, full day, 16 weeks if you want to do uh, after hours and weekends, and you'll be able to learn technology in, in either web development, primarily JavaScript, uh, iOS development, or UI UX. And so we're really niche at our education, and a lot of our education is taught by people who are currently developers in the workforce. So that's our specialty. And, you know, m- my understanding is there's such a draw for this, um, and certainly our other friends that are involved in in uh, companies like this that rather than some, you know, communications degree, which hopefully you get a job for something like this, where it's compressed, you know what, you know what this whole thing is going to cost. And there's likely a job waiting for you on the other end seems to be pretty attractive. Yeah. Well, one thing that is really appealing to people is unlike some other education, this one is very, laser focused and is very progressive throughout the entire day. Instead of splitting your attention among uh, six different subjects and trying to balance your time on that, you're actually hitting some of the stuff that you need to execute on, you get that executed, and then you go on to the next subject. And that has really helped people get the skills really fast enough to become employable, especially in an industry that has so much need, but yet, it lacks a lot of talent. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is kind of a fun success story, especially for, uh, you know, a younger entrepreneur like yourself. Uh, 
how how long ago did you guys start the company? Yeah, we started. Uh, we got together as co-founders about July of 2013, so three years ago, and we actually launched our first course in September of 2016. So, uh, as an entity, we're two and a half years old, basically. Um, and and how long ago was that twenty million dollar acquisition? You know, finally signed. Uh, about let's see, May May is when it happened. So just a couple of months ago. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, um, you know, I think one of the reasons I was interested in having you on the show is, you know, when you and I met over there at that Pluralsight event, um, unlike a lot of entrepreneurs who are maybe really excited to tell you how awesome they are, I felt like you had a really like genuine approach and you, you were like, you were really interested in me. You didn't show up trying to get me interested in you. Um, do you want to talk about that philosophy and maybe any ways that that type of approach has helped you in life? Yeah, interesting question. Um, so one thing I've always had an interest in from a young age is actually interest in other people. Uh, I'll just like talk about my hobby really fast right now. So hobby, I do a lot of VR. And do I, I have a lot of like uh, virtual reality headsets. And my wife observed that I actually don't wear the headsets myself that often. But what I actually seek out doing and what I get really pleasure in is actually putting on headsets on other people and watching that reaction of them trying virtuality for like the first time. And them <laughs> saying like, this is amazing, right? I think that's just like something that's an innate um, a personality of mine is I love to see other people have an amazing reaction and see them happy. Um, I also don't like seeing them to struggle. Uh, you go through the same struggles. And so uh, I've had one mentor uh, before tell me that that's like, that's one way uh, to enjoy life more is to build up treasures of helping others. Uh, You know, obviously I hope I could make some little money on the side and everything, but the the biggest uh, treasure I'm really trying to store up is is friends and, and, and family and, and success for those friends and family. Yeah. Well, I, I, I found it refreshing just, you know, in this day and age, when you go to those type of events, so often people are trying to push their business card in my hand or, or anyone's hand, you know, and it's, it's very much, you know, people are, they get all this advice about, you need to be focused on your goals and, and you need to um, get your personal brand out there. And there's, there's a lot of advice about, you, 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 it's kind of like a self-interested type of message I hear a lot. And, um, and yet when I think about the people who've had the biggest impact on me, they're not typically the self-interested types. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, I I think it's a balancing act, right? So, I mean, in, in, in one way you need to be able to project your message and what you're about. Um, and so now that's probably one weakness I have is I'm not necessarily going out and trying to uh, promote myself, right? And so I, I guess this is one reason why I appreciate the invitation from you that I was able to go on this podcast. Um, but uh, one thought I have is, is, yeah, it takes a lot more groundwork uh, when you serve other people. It, it, there's a might be a longer lead time. Uh, but when you really 
win the interest of those people's heart because you really help them out, uh, it really comes back to, to pay off. I think the biggest example I have uh, was um, when I was young and I had a business idea that I thought it was amazing. Uh, there was a guy that I ran into named John Richards and told him my idea. And he basically, you know, this was oh, me, me, this is my idea. This is amazing. He told me my idea stunk. And, and uh, I realized this guy knows a lot of stuff and I need to learn why my ideas really wasn't great at all. Cause he told me why it wasn't a great idea and I believed it. And so actually for the next year, and this is an extreme uh, example, you don't need to do a year every time, but I, I volunteered for the events that he was on to help him out. Uh, I also later on worked for him and just really worked hard as I could uh, above and beyond. I would be answering his emails at 3 a.m. and talking to him on the phone at the same time in the morning. And I got to the point where afterwards we'd be at these um, meetups or or meetings and I, John Richards would be in the circle of, of people and uh, he would actually grab my shirt and pull me into the circle and say, Hey guys, you need to meet Colt, Cole Henry. And you need to be watching what he was doing. Right. And a lot of like what we started to mountain on was relationships with those people that I met in those circles uh, that were, you know, owners of tech companies or hiring managers or private, you know, it, it really helped that I served somebody who was really well connected um, and, and really became a friend with him to the point that he was going out of his way to introduce me to people just out of the goodness of his heart as well. You know, it's interesting. We hear so much about influencer marketing these days and things like this. Um, but we don't always get that much guidance on how to work with people who already have that kind of influence. And I think the default is a lot of people show up with kind of, they show up with their ask, you know, um, and they're like, Hey, look at all these resources. Look at all these connections you have. Uh, you know, it'd be really great if we could work together and you could do this for me, (laughs) you know, um, where your strategy of show up and serve and serve and serve until you until you make it into the friend circle, right? Until you uh, become that kind of trusted contact in their life. Um, it is a lot more investment, but it sounds like there's a lot more payoff with it too. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times you don't, you don't win people to become your friends, you know? And a lot of times those are the people you don't want to be in business with, right? Is you keep serving and either they keep taking, they never give. And, and you can kind of, you, it's a good filter of, of people as well that come across you is if you serve them, it really shows uh, their type of character, uh, how they react to it. And, and it's a good kind of a filter um, for who you should be trusting and doing business with. Yeah. You know, I know in the second part of the episode here, we're going to talk about um, what it's like to sell a company and, and going through some of those processes. Um, Before we get to that though, Thinking about the future of coding schools like this, um, do you want to talk about what you see and, and then maybe specifically we'll talk about the new classes you guys are going to be offering? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I kind of see in the future is that there's been new programs such as the EQUIP program, um, EQUIP, where the government 
has been kind of encouraging uh, universities to partner with these code schools. Uh, and, and one reason why is because it's the fast iteration of the curriculum development. For us, we uh, about roughly 30% of our curriculum changes about every three to five months. While like in a university setting, it takes them about three to five years to implement a new curriculum. And in the technology world, that's really slow. And what we've kind of been seeing is these people who want to hire want people who have skills in the current technologies, a technology that's been popular for one, two, at most three years. Um, when we started two and a half years ago, uh, we started one of our tech frameworks that we were teaching is already starting to become a little old. And, and now people are already want another framework coming in. And so someone needs to step in and take the challenge of, of updating the curriculum to meet that. And that's like what we do. And so that's the reason why uh, you'll see universities um, actually partnering up with uh, these code schools or creating their own code schools and, but removing some of the barriers such as accreditation uh, to make it so that they could have that rapid uh, rapid development of curriculum. Yeah. Um, and that's one reason why our parent company, Capella University, uh, bought us as well as uh, Hackbright um, is so that we could be in that non-degree um, training and education space. Mm. Uh, in the future, I see... Um, with, I think it will make other traditional educations really question uh, efficiency. Uh, I think there's a lot of emphasis on other education models that is heavily maybe on producing more researchers, um, which I still think there is a need for out there. Uh, I it, I think there's just going to be a question of how much weight and how much people that we push that way, uh, if that makes sense. Um, I guess we're not trying to make more and more professors. We're trying to make more and more industrious people. And, and sometimes I feel like the weight and emphasis uh, on, in some universities may be too heavy the other way. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm thinking to this, you know, this space, it's new, it's growing rapidly. Um, I actually have a, a really good buddy of mine who's about to start a uh, class with you guys to go take your UX program. Um, and I think, you know, this tangible, this tangibleness of the hard skill when there are so many unmet tech jobs in this country, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty clear value proposition, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the value proposition is more clearly defined and what is success is also clearly defined as well. Um, which could, you know, it's a, it's an amazing blessing for our industry and our niche. Um, and it could also be a curse if someone's trying to have everything pointed at what could be done. Cause there's a lot of people who've actually gone through and taken our education and actually have applied it in different fields, you know, and that doesn't really show and, and fit in our definition of success. Like, Oh, he has a developer job. 
a lot of times they'll go get developer jobs and then eventually move into, we had one guy go back to be an MBA school um, so that he could get back into the management and the business side that he really loves, but he had the code skill background and so that he could go out and work for tech companies as an MBA graduate. Mm. Um, I'm interested too, you know, we were talking a bit before the show, um, you know, starting a company two and a half years ago, selling it for $20 million with your co-founders here. A lot, you know, you get a lot of people coming up and asking advice and, and things about how they can do it or what they should be doing. Uh, why don't you talk a bit about your philosophy of what entrepreneurs should be doing for their self-education? Yeah. Uh, one thing I think for entrepreneurs they should do is stay current. Uh, and we're getting into a more iterative, like, technology things have changed all the time and so i encourage people to read about technologies or industries that they're really interested in but really dig for blogs and articles uh on the internet uh because they're coming out faster well you know something like a book about entrepreneurship is more about the soft skills and the overarching principles, but they don't really get you to the point where you could create something that is something special that no one else is doing. Uh, to kind of get something that's special and no one else is doing, you kind you you need to be on the forefront and really be studying what's coming out weekly or monthly. And, and a lot of that comes from blogs and and articles online. YouTube videos is another great solution. Uh, and so what are some of yeah, when it comes to those for yourself, what are what are some of the sources where what blogs are you reading or what what business, you know, sites, magazines, whatever, like what what's your go to sources? <laughs> it changes on the projects that I'm working on and the and the problems that I'm trying to face. Um and so mine's kind of more like industry specific. Um and so when I try to build out our live streaming infrastructure. I am constantly working on people who uh, work on live streaming. Um, like, is there, is there anybody that stands out for you in that front? I more in that, not necessarily individual influencers. I would say it's more people who are companies and teams that really push forward like twitch.tv and kind of what they've kind of pushed out, what they've done. Um, um, Wowza Media Server has pushed out a lot. But what's that last one? Wowza, W-O-W-Z-A. Hmm. Um, you know, most most of your readers probably are not going to even care what some of those names are, but it, it, it does kind of point out, you know, get very specific to industry, um, and that will help you kind of get... Join Reddit groups. Reddit groups is, is really great for those technologies well. I mean, you have a lot of naysaying and, and that is kind of good too, because some of the naysayers bring up really good points that you could try to fix yourself. You know, if there's, if you're trying to look for a certain technology uh, and working on it and there's a subreddit group and everyone's complaining about the same thing over and over and they're just cussing. Like if you're the one who could go in there and fix that, that and, and try to fix that problem, uh, there's a business opportunity, right? But Reddit is always changing. It's changing every day. So uh, that's what I kind of say is, is 
you always hear, read this book, read these entrepreneurships. I, I agree. Read those books, really grab onto them. But uh, um, if you really want to find your specialty in your niche, try to be current and you got to just be scouring the internet for what you're really interested in. That's great. Um, anything else that you'd say about entrepreneurs gaining the necessary experience to learn the patterns yeah. of success? I'm all about hard skills, obviously, because I'm really biased with the mountain teaching hard skills. Uh, I think one of the weaknesses of Utah is that you'll have these startups that will start up that have three to four business guys and like one tech guy that they somehow rounded up and they're coming out with this brand new product. And, and so they go out and talk to customers and they know what the customer wants. And then you have three or four guys bossing the tech guy around. Right. Um, I, I really have enjoyed founders who've had a hard skill background and especially very uh, developed teams that have, founders that have multiple hard skills. Mm. Um, and so, you know, hard skills such as uh, coding, electrical engineering, accounting, uh, you know, all those are something that you can contribute to this, these new ideas. And if you have a, a team around that, that's what I would really focus on. I know a lot of universities, they teach just business entrepreneurship and they want you to launch a lot of the ideas but these students don't have the hard skills to execute on the ideas um i was actually in san francisco and uh excel partners were telling a group of us utah entrepreneurs that one thing that utah lacks is really skilled product people people who really know how to develop products uh, and they were talking about as a hard skill. So that's what that's one thing I would focus on is is until you really get an idea, really work on hard skills. You know, it's interesting um, when you when you talk about that. You know, it does take such a spectrum of abilities to build a successful business. Um, and you know, in the absence of a a current goal, like building something like that. You know, what's funny is. Um, I, I, you know, amongst the people I've done business with, they know me more for, you know, the mergers and acquisitions work I did at Citigroup or starting my own fund, right? But uh, it's funny how many times my art school background has shown up every time we've started something new and, and you need a new business card or like when I learned even just like simple Squarespace building websites, right? I probably yeah. built, I've probably built 30 websites in the last year and a half. Um, and sometimes I'm doing it for friends who just, you know, just like as a freebie for fun, you know, because they're overwhelmed with it. And you're, you can say, hey, listen, it's not that tough. Come over. We'll we'll build you one in an afternoon, you know. Yeah. And um, those, you know, those skills of of, you know, some of those technical skills, um, it is an accelerator where you're not sitting around waiting and endlessly debating. Well, should we pay? Should we pay for it or not? You know, Um it yeah, I mean, and, and it's a great way to validate, right? So, um, yeah, eventually there's always a point where you need to pay for somebody to do it better than you do. And that's growing a team, that's growing your product. But, you know, to test that product before you should put all that money in, uh, Utah is really big on, you know, the ecosystem is really big on lean startup 
building your minimal viable product. If you had some hard skills, uh, even just remotely related, you could actually start teaching yourself to build a minimal viable product that really displays the concept of your product and uh, gets out there, would really validate to you whether you should um, spend the money. Now, that's conversation that people who talk about Lean Startup all the time talk about, right? You've probably heard that all again. Do something small, figure out if it's worth it, then put your money into it and grow it uh, once you've nailed the pain. But uh, one thing that I haven't really heard any people talk about was my experience, which was I've had multiple software ideas before, and I think I'd go out and talk to customers and say, like, wouldn't it be great if you got this? Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Would you pay? Yes, I would pay money. Um, when's your Kickstarter or whatever, you know? Uh, and then I would go to tech meetup groups and try to recruit other developers. And just the fact that I wasn't necessarily like developer, it kind of at first made them scared because they get approached all the time to build other people's ideas for free for free. Right. And this is me not having money. And uh, for free, trying to ask them, and I never really got anywhere. But once I, I myself learned how to develop to a certain proficiency and was able to build these, like, just very minimum working products, and then I would go and try to, like, hey, this is what I built. I was kind of displaying it. I, still really rough. I haven't been developing for 10 years like some of you have. Then I suddenly had people come up to me and say, oh, that's an awesome concept. I mean, you were doing a really horrible job. I could come and make it better. <laughs> How about we work together, right? Which yeah. was totally different approach. I'm fine with them telling me it's a horrible idea, but at least they got a con on and they were really more excited to work with somebody who feels more like a teammate. And now no. your skills is totally different, but it, it really helps you even validate to people you're trying to recruit to be on your team. But it's kind of the magic of like, if you just get started, Right. You know, like ideation collective, this whole show we're on today and, and everything else we're trying to do. Like I'd been talking about it for a year. Right. And was busy looking at other projects and just didn't put the time in and not that, you know, basically nothing happened. Right. And we had this thing going for, we only had this thing going for a few weeks and I'm, we're down at the co-working space church and state. And, um, we we were only going for a few weeks before they found out about us and approached us and gave us part of the grant that they were getting and said, we want to do stuff with you and can't you help with this? And now we're like, we're looking at, you know, doing more and more and more with them. And like talking about it for a year, didn't get anything like that, doing it for a handful of weeks. And all of a sudden the offers came out of nowhere. We have sponsors calling us, you know, today I was recording some other episodes. We just had a couple of, uh, you know, former Facebook executive and people like that who are reaching out to us. And it's not because we're that awesome. We're just, we just got started, you know? Yeah, exactly. You, you just started, you started developing your hard skills right at kind of a beginning, kind of testing it out. And, uh, you know, maybe I should go back and listen to your earlier episodes and see like the quality of change that happened. And maybe it wasn't maybe as good as it is now, but you probably were getting down and, and dirty just doing it and suddenly you had people approaching you to try to be supportive of you yeah so exactly that's one reason why i like heart just practicing it in in like a scientific increment don't lose 
don't necessarily go out and uh, leverage your whole life to do something that you have approved, but but uh, doing something with a hard skill as a lean product and lean startup also validates team effort. Yeah. So. Well, it uh, was you- it was a pain to learn how to podcast, and it's been a pain over the years to learn Adobe Premiere and stuff for our video production, right? But yeah. I'm pretty sure everything I ever do, whether it's on the charity side or the for business side, is always going to need marketing. And even though I hope to just pay other people to do all that, my ability to evaluate them is completely different when I know what they actually have to go through to produce that for me, right? Exactly. Um, listen, let's let's cut it off there for part one of the interview. Everybody, please tune in tomorrow um, for part two interview with Colt. We're going to talk more about selling his company for $20 million and, and what he sees as the ups and downs in entrepreneurship. Thanks so much. We're going to cut off part one of the interview there in the interest of time. We've had feedback that people would rather have 20 to 30 minute episodes, so we're going to break the interviews in half. Please check back tomorrow for part two of the interview. And as always, come to iCollective.co for show notes and to learn more about child rescue, go to the menu and, and look at our child rescue page and see if that's something that you'd like to get involved with. Thanks for listening. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.